Hello, and welcome to this fifth episode of Among the Ancients with Emily Wilson, a podcast series from the London Review of Books. I'm Thomas Jones, an editor at the LRB. Emily Wilson is Professor of Classical Studies at the University of Pennsylvania. Hello, Emily, and thank you for joining me. Hello, Tom. So following on from our discussion of Sophocles in the previous episode, this time we're talking about the plays of Euripides, with a particular focus on Medea and Hippolytus. Euripides was the youngest of the three 5th century tragedians whose work has survived, writing his first plays a few years after Aeschylus's last, though his career overlapped with Sophocles, and they died probably within a year of one another. We talked a bit last time about Sophocles as a public figure, as a general. How much do we know about the life of Euripides? We know very little about the life of Euripides. I mean, as you say, he was younger than Sophocles or Aeschylus. He he was born supposedly in 480, the year of the Battle of Salamis, which Aeschylus fought in as a soldier and which Sophocles sang and danced in as a teenager at the victory celebration, um, which sort of gives you a sense of how their births were staggered. Um, as far as we know, he wasn't a public figure in the way that Sophocles was. He didn't serve as a general in the city. We have a lot of legendary anecdotes about his life. I mean, so for instance, we're told that he was married twice to two horrible, nagging women who cheated on him. And we're told that he stormed off to Macedon at the end of his life in a half against the Athenians. I mean, I think there's no particular reason to think that those anecdotes are reliable because I think a lot of them, I mean, a lot of them come from ancient poets' lives, which are centuries later than the life of Euripides himself. And also a lot of them are based on anecdotes from comedies such as the works of Aristophanes, who loved joking about Euripides, which doesn't necessarily tell you exactly about the reality. We have more of Euripides' plays than we do of either Aeschylus's or Sophocles. And what's, what's the reason for that? Kind of fascinating reason, which is that, so for Aeschylus, Sophocles, and for half of Euripides' nine ex, 19 extant plays, um, they survive because they were the ones that were canonical within the Byzantine times within the teaching of rhetoric in schools and people who thought we just gonna, we're just going to strip it down and read the top three plays by each of these. But then we also have an extra role of Euripides, which are plays within what was presumably a complete works of Euripides in alphabetical order. So we have an extra um, double the number of Euripides plays versus the other ones from this extra role of what's called the alphabetical plays. I mean, we talk about them... All as, uh, we talk about Euripides as a tragedian and about the plays as tragedies, but the idea that tragedies end with death and comedies end with marriage, as it were, which is a, a later idea, because quite a lot, especially among the alphabet plays, there's Iphigenia at, at Taurus, for example, isn't really tragic. Yes, so the, there was, there were, well, it isn't tragic, but in the later sense, in the, in the medieval, early modern, and then modern sense, where you have to have some corpses on stage for it to count as a tragedy. Um, certainly in, a, in 5th century Athens, that wasn't what tragedy meant at all. And Aristotle says in the Poetics that Euripides is a better constructor of plots in certain ways because he has more unhappy endings than Sophocles or Aeschylus did. So in the way that sort of contradicts what we get from our evidence and just shows you how skewed our evidence is within what we ha happen to have with these extra plays, we have, as you say, several um, sort of quote-unquote escape tragedies, such as the Helen, which ends with Helen and Menelaus happily sailing off, having tricked the barbarian king, or Iphigenia among the Tyrians, which again is a, 
escape play in which Greek speakers run away from barbarians and it's all happy. But I think we could also sort of note that, for instance, within the works of Sophocles that we have, the Philoctetes doesn't end with anyone dead. It ends with people setting off on a journey and it's all fine. Um, but then also, as you say, within the the bonus plays, the alphabetical plays, we have plays like the Ion, in which there's a sort of threat of family members killing each other, but it all ends out ends up being just fine. And that clearly was something which was totally acceptable within the genre. And Euripides was certainly not the only tragedian to do, to do that, to do tragedies which don't end up, end up with anyone slaughtered or even blinded. There is this idea, isn't there, that Euripides is also a sort of more radical or, or rebellious playwright than Aeschylus or Sophocles, that he was more daring, I don't know if blasphemous is the right sort of word, but more da- in his representations of the gods and in his representations of women. And he used more demotic language. And we'll come to all those questions in more detail in a bit. But is the idea of a relatively radical Euripides a useful one to bear in mind? And does it come out of the plays themselves? Or are we inclined to think so just because he was the youngest of the three of them? Yeah. And because of the way that Aristophanes lampooned him? It's tough, isn't it? Because we don't actually have um, Euripides' exact contemporaries. I mean, we don't have other tragedians of exactly that generation. So I think it's quite possible that if we could compare and contrast Euripides with other people who are exactly his age putting on plays, he might not seem quite so radical. Um, And you're right that the reception of of Euripides in comedy is a lot of the shaping of why do we think he was so radical. Um, and I think it's maybe worth worth noting that we said last time that Sophocles won lots of first prizes in the great Dionysia competition. Euripides won very few first prizes, though he kept on putting on the plays. I mean, he, he put on something like 90 plays in the great Dionysia, but only won um, four times in his lifetime. And then with his posthumous production of the Bacchae, he won a final victory after he was dead, which suggests something or other about the sort of official response to Euripides which may have contrasted with the popularity of Euripides among audiences. One of the differences linguistically between Euripides and Sophocles and Aeschylus is that he uses more what's called monody, where a single character is singing, or there's a pair of characters singing, rather than always speaking, or else it's a group of people, the chorus, who are singing. So he was clearly experimental and drawing on contemporary trends within music in other genres beyond the stage. And in terms of the, the monody and the chanting, we can tell that from the, from the metre. From the, from the metre, yes. So there are, there are lots more passages in Euripides where it's just one character speaking, but they're singing, because it was, you can tell from the fact that it's not the normal spoken metre of tragedy, which is iambic trimeter, sort of equivalent to iambic pentameter in Shakespeare. So Medea and Hippolytus were, were composed within a few years of, of each other, in the early years of the Peloponnesian War, Medea in 431, Hippolytus in 428 BC. They're both set in the remote mythic past, as most tragedies were. Hippolytus in the time of Theseus and Medea a generation earlier, when Aegeus, Theseus's father, or one of Theseus's possible fathers, was king of Athens. Neither play is set in Athens. Medea takes place in the city of Corinth, Hippolytus in treason, southwest of Athens across the Saronic Gulf. They're both concerned with ideas of exile, of belonging and non-belonging, with family relationships, husbands and wives, parents and children, with questions of what people owe to one another and to the gods, and with extremes of emotion, of lust and rage and grief, which are all familiar themes from our previous discussions of Homer, Sappho and Sophocles. Medea, along with the Bacchae, which you've already mentioned, is probably Euripides' most famous play now, his most performed, most adapted 
Um, and the infanticide at the end, which is probably Euripides' invention, is, well, to us at least, is profoundly disturbing, even by the standards of Greek tragedy. Or is that an anachronistic response? Is the, the sight or the sound of a mother murdering, murdering her children? <laughs> I think it's meant to be disturbing. I mean, I think he, I think Euripides does a wonderful job of setting it up for maximum shock value. I mean, it's not that no other tragedy involves a parent slaughtering a child. That's actually quite a common theme in Athenian tragedy. Yeah. And Euripides was not the only one to, to do tragedies about parents slaughtering children. Um, but Euripides manages to create, to set up the plot so that his probable innovation in having Medea murder her children, um, she was known in myth as the scary witch figure who who helped Jason get the golden fleece um that he sets sets up the plot so that the final horror of the infanticide is as horrible as possible because he's made Europe, he's made Medea seem as normal as possible for the first half of the play that he sort of exploits the sensibilities of the audience so that um Medea seems so relatable and so much just she's a normal everyday woman who has difficulties with her husband and don't don't we all and it's you, you you've probably heard your wife complaining about this many times it's not there's nothing at, at all unusual about her except that, except for the fact that she seems to be extra clever and articulate in ways that might see, might perhaps arouse some suspicions. But he very much works to get the audience on her side in order to increase the shock. It was, of course, that the Oristia, in a way, begins with, with the infanticide, with, but that's with, with Agamemnon killing his daughter. and then It's in the background, yes, for, absolutely, yeah, yes. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that Medea is probably Euripides' most famous play now, but that wasn't always the case, was it? It wasn't. I mean, I think Medea became particularly popular in in about the late 19th century with the quote-unquote woman question and the question of what happens when marriage is a disaster for women became a sort of resonant cultural question in in Europe and the US during the 20th century. During the, a lot of post-antiquity reception of Euripides, Medea wasn't particularly the play that people focused on. The Hecuba, which is, which is nowadays a relatively understudied and underread play, was extremely popular in the early modern period. And it's a play about Hecuba, Priam's wife, having suffered the rape and slaughter of many of her children, manages to get a very bloody kind of revenge on at least one horrible Greek invader by gouging out his eyes. And it's, it's a great play, but it's, it's for whatever reason, it, the idea of the the grieving woman who gouges out the oppressor's eyes is resonates less with modern audiences than the idea of the woman who slaughters her own children. And I think that clearly says something about us rather than necessarily about what which one of these is objectively the better play. They're both really interesting plays. Thanks for listening to this extract from Among the Ancients, a close reading series from the London Review of Books. To listen to the full episodes and all our other close reading series, Sign up to our close reading subscription. Go to lrb.me forward slash close readings or click on the link in the description. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.